Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast, and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. Ross, Ross the, boss. the boss. Hey, boys. Well, you're getting ready to tour, right? A club tour? No, no. We just did the club tour. We just Sold did... out club tour. Well, it wasn't, everything wasn't sold out. Just but say we did... it's sold out. Oh, it's sold out. Sold the fuck out. <laughs> the, the greatest t- two words the musician could. Exactly. Sold out. Sold no, but we out. did very well. It was 26, uh, 26 U.S. shows. Nice. And the thing about it was, is that we wanted to have that record out, which mm-hmm. is coming out on Friday. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. And, Born but, of Fire. Born of Fire. And we haven't, we, we didn't have it. It was just, we just didn't have it. And we had, it, I, I committed to the tour 18 months ago. Mm. And there was no way to know. And uh, instead. You put out a single or something like that? We did. Or? We put okay. out, uh, we dropped uh, Denied by the Cross I on YouTube. That, yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's a good one. And uh, the guy, they did, AFM did a lyric video. Uh-huh. And I think it's great. And uh, my friend here, we just hey, dropped. Yes, we just dropped. We're new friends. We're pals. Yeah. He's a, he's a likable cat. This we, just, we just put out um, Maiden of Shadows, which mm-hmm. we shot up at the uh, the Chance in Poughkeepsie. Um, and Ehud did such a fantastic job yeah. with very little um, time and uh, uh, resources. Yeah, uh, he's and, like that. He's a beast. He came through, and it's really it cool. A normal day, two hours behind unloading. Yeah, yeah, venue yeah, wasn't yeah. open. Yeah, you know, typical. Was working. Nah, the lights weren't nah, working. Of course, it's, it's <laughs> typical. Right. But uh, we did what we had to do, and you know, it stuff looks good. And it's like four, th- three days, and we have like forty thousand views. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So, and the other one has ninety four thousand. Right. In less than two weeks. So it's getting there. I mean, you know, it's the the best we've done, RTB band, but this record is the strongest record. That's great. This record is the strongest record I put out. This is my fourth record on AFM, and uh, it's, it's, I'll go to war with this. Why do you think it's stronger? (laughs) Well, because um, we were together for, the, the lineup that we have now, the lineup that Ehud shot, it, it, the, we, we toured for two and a half years. I mean, I mm-hmm. was touring before right. that. It was Rush the Boat. But this lineup, this exact lineup with the drummer, with Steve Bolognese on drums, Michael Pond bass, Mark Lopes singing, we've been doing this for like two and a half years nonstop. And it really solidified our chemistry, our, uh, you know, our brotherhood together. And, you know, it's like we're, we're a band, mm-hmm. you know. And, and just because I'm a guitar player, I'm a kind of semi- Famous guitar player, famous. You're famous. Yeah, but but no, I'm not an ego trip guitar player. You know, this is a band situation, and I wouldn't have it any other way. We did the the record together. We recorded it. We wrote the songs together. Mm. Everyone contributed because I told them because it was it's not even two years since the last record, Born of Fire, which was a really good record and uh, tremendous record. And the label goes, "You got to make another record." And I go, "What?" It's not even two years. I mean, I mean you know, and the, and these people, it's the industry thinks you got like it's songs just flying out, you know, flying out of your just your head, you know, riffs and you know, no, it's just not like that. Is I'm that not. A big label? It takes you long. AFM is a very big that label. Big it's label. a major label. Back there. in the day, though, bands would be putting out an album a year. At yeah, least. yeah, I know. I did six albums in six years with right. Manowar, but I'm not the guy that I was. Right. In the '80s, you know what I'm saying. As far mm. as as far as um, being so, yeah. What's the word? 
Prolific. Prolific. Yeah. Excellent. I slowed down too a little bit. Mm, I mean, I mean but just the I had you do it. I had four, five, five ideas. I didn't have twelve or thirteen, mm -hmm. and so I said, "Boys, I need your help. Can you help me?" Everybody said, "We're gonna, we're helping. We're doing this." So Mark brought in four. Um, Mike had a bunch, and I, I borrowed one from. I used one from uh, my my other guitar player in in, in Death Dealer. Uh, his name is Stu Marshall, and he wrote "Made in the Shadows." And uh, hey, we got the record, mm. and we worked on it, and we worked hard, demos up, instead of you know pushing it out in the studio in a in a, in a rehearsal studio. You know, we didn't have time for that. I didn't have the budget, so we just did demos. We worked up the demos, and that's how this started. It it and the results have been so amazing. Right. You know, you heard it, right? I mean, it's just no, been... It yeah, it's a, it sounds great. Yeah, it's a real natural sounding, but it's a huge modern production uh, mixed by Sieb Lieberman, um, Ordan Ogain in, uh, from Germany. And, you know, I, I couldn't be happy with the whole thing, so... Where did you record? We recorded the basic tracks in New Jersey at mm. my friend C.J. Sosha's studio. Um, I think Waktung, Waktung, Aktung, New Jersey. Aktung, baby, Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> where, where in Jersey? You don't remember. Jersey. Jersey. Somewhere. Jersey's huge. A couple of tank shots. A couple of tank shots out there. And there's um, a lot of there's a lot of different jerseys. Yeah, Jersey. And uh, uh, we then we did satellite recording. I, I recorded a lot of my leads at my my batting cage. I have, I have my own room there and. Batting cage? Yeah, babe. That's what it's called? It's the cage. Or it's actually a legit batting cage? It's a legit cage. batting cage for 16 years already. Fuck. Middle you, Village, does Queens. Does it work? It freaking works, dude. Do you swing at it? You can swing there. Do you? I don't swing anymore, no. No? no. Why not? I, I just, I, there's nothing left. Nothing <laughs> I, I can't. But with music, you like keep going and going and going. Right. How do you explain right. that? Like, and also you got a sort of youthful exuberance about it. How do you explain it after all these years well, to still be passionate like that? Well, because I, I wake up every day and, and I'm, I'm a workaholic and I, mm -hmm. and I don't take any days off. If I'm not doing music, I'm at the cage and I'm, I'm, const I'm just working. I mean, and, and music is part of my life. It's been part of my life since since I turned pro in '75 mm -hmm. with the Dictators, right. and it seems that all these different projects are coming back now. Now that the original the original Dictators are going to record again, you know, and my French band Shaken Street, they're 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 playing live. Yeah, it's funny as hell. And the Death Dealer is playing, and then the Rusty Boss Band is going to going to blow up, you know, to the next level. So yeah, you know, from constantly working and constantly doing good work, yeah. I think the you reap what you sow in life. Yeah. Hopefully it's still going good. So listen, things might you know turn south. You never know. It's just having a fucking dream at all. Like having like okay, Ross the boss, we're gonna go to the next level. Just that energy to mm. still to maintain that. Yeah. In this world mm. with coronaviruses and Simpsons predictions and shit, well, like I, that that's saying something. Well, I want to I want to set an example for the young kids to say, yeah. listen, if you're not willing to do what I am doing. If you're not willing to work as hard as I work right. at this, then you're not going anywhere, man. Yeah. If you wake up at 12 o'clock, if you're one of these musicians that work at 12 o'clock and, and expect things to get done and you smoke a joint or something, your day's shot, buddy. Right. Your day is shot. Yeah. I'm up. I sleep like three hours because Germany, that's where my label is, is yeah. six hours ahead of me. Uh -huh. Right. So I have to be, I'm talking to them at, you know, at five in the morning, it, it's still 11 o'clock. Right, you know, so I'm like, 
you know, I'm lying down, I'm up uh, three hours, maybe a day, or four hours sleeping. But you got to be up there. You got to be ready to, to, you know, uh, you know. And there's no, you know, there's no taking time off. No. You know, especially this, everything is so, um, uh, everything is so competitive in the music world now because the bands, well, the bands are out there touring, you know, because no people aren't really making the money out from the CDs that much anymore. Mm. So you got to be touring all the time and selling T-shirts and and, and swag, mm. and but I'm I'm like the kind of guy like you're not going to beat me. There's just no way. It's just not going to happen. What do you mean? Well, you're not going to beat me because first of all, my band is amazing mm-hmm. and they're great guys to play with, and we have a great thing live. And the band is known as Festival Killers, you know, because we we we, Cause we you kill festivals. We just destroy them. We what? just fucking destroy. Where it. what gave you this drive? Or did you get it from your parents? You think or what? Well, I mean, I just, I just, at one point after Manowar, I said, after those, you know, after a big band, and I was like, asked to leave because he wanted all the money. I'm saying, the I'm, singer guy? The, the bass player. Oh, the bass player? He said, I'm going, listen, I'm not going to let you win. I'm not going to let you win. Okay, I might not be in Manowar now, but I'm going to do my own thing. And so that set me on my way. I was in Manitoba's Wild Kingdom, the version of the dic- Dictators, and then. Brain Surgeons with Albert Bouchard from Blue Oyster Cult, and I had a blues rock band, and I had a band called The Pack, and then I had, you know, uh, the Spinatras, and then, you know, we got signed. But I, I kept on going, and then, like, around 91, my, my son came. The Spinatras? Spinatras, isn't that great? <laughs> yeah, that's fucking good, it, Yeah, dude. it's kind of like the Ramones. <laughs> it was kind of like the Ramones meet, meet Cheap Trick. Yeah, okay. You know, not a metal band. Yeah. And um, so... Uh, I'm, I'm able to play a lot of different genres. But what gave you the drive? Like like that spirit of you're not going to beat me. Like where did that drive come from? Like what did your parents do? My parents raised me to be, you know, pretty hardworking, hardworking self-sufficient, you know. And grew up in the Bronx. I grew up grew in the up Bronx. Born in the Bronx. Born in the Bronx. And, Is uh, that where you grew up too? Yeah, yeah. And what did your folks do? Well, my father was a furniture salesman and my mother worked different things uh she helped uh, retarded uh, american association and she was very you know f- giving of her time and you know she did a lot of different things and mm. but uh and they did a uh, they had a repulsory business and you know they they did what they did you mm-hmm. know but uh Do you have I, any siblings i have a sister uh-huh yeah. you guys close not really no said yeah she lives in the west coast left coast and well you know but uh, my, what's, what's she end up doing? Well, she's been she was very successful. Um, she worked for Sony. Um, her partner work, Leslie worked for uh, uh, what was that company? I don't know. She got a huge buyout for something. You know, so eBay. She, eBay. Oh, really? They, she was like oh, one of the first. She's one of the fir- first employees for eBay. Fuck's sake. Leslie got a huge buyout. And now they have money. Now they got fuck you money, and I'm glad for them. You know. Right. But uh, you know. So and where do you live now? I live I live in Regal Park, Queens. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you born and raised New Yorker? I've been in New York all my life. I, and, and believe old me, school I, all the way. Yeah. I, yeah I, I, you know, something tells me it's time to get out. But we have the business. <coughs> we have the cage business, which is super successful now. That we have. So, so it's batting cages. Batting cages. It's I called get the it. cage. Okay. I thought you were naming your home studio the no, cage. No, no, no. Batting cage. <laughs> But you have a legit batting cage yes. business. We've it's been sixteen years and what's it's that called? The cage. The cage. Okay. The cage baseball. And That's we've amazing. been yeah, sixteen years, and now we have travel baseball. We have eleven cage warrior travel teams. Wow. Eleven. 
Just like com- competitive cage batting? How do they, well, how we, do they we have kids on a team. That? We have a team. We have teams that go play travel ball all over the country. How'd you get into this? Well, because my son, Jesse, turned out to be an amazing athlete. Had no musical talent. Right. <laughs> like his dad. But he had amazing baseball talent. He, mm-hmm. be- he, uh, he was incredible. Um, he... He became a, he had became switch hitting college all American mm. catcher. Wow! And are you a baseball player? Or is nah. this, so he, I wasn't given any any athletic talent, that's so wild. to speak. Of it's so, amazing, right? You're very amazing. And so you opened up a cage. We opened up cage. a batting cage for him that's because cool. there was no place to, in Queens good enough to practice. And we said Queens players need. Now that's like a loving and supportive thing to do, man. Yeah, we opened up. We, we it <laughs> was. Believe that's me. next level. Most people next don't. Level dad. Most, that's stuff. like dad of the year type <laughs> shit, dude. My wife found my wife. She found the space. That's crazy. Sixty two forty, and she goes, "If if I find the space, I'm I'm going. We're going for this." I go, "Well, how much is it going to be?" And she says, "Well, to change this building around, it's going to be about a quarter of a million dollars, which, of course, we didn't have. So we borrowed it. We, you know, we did whatever we could. Sixteen years ago, we did the construction. We now we have the cage." And it's it's maintained. It's killer. It's killer. Yeah, wow. yeah. Because people people want that. People don't want fancy place. They, they just want to go in. You know, it's like Rocky. The you know the gym. Mm-hmm. People want to. It's not. It's not a. It's it's not bad. I mean, people want to go in. Good lighting, safe. Nets are good. You know, the machines work. Everything. I maintain everything. And and so I mean, it's it's what it is. Yeah. And so I mean, I gotta go. I mean, today I gotta. We have a new net. I got to put up a new net. I got there's so much to do, always that's lights surprising. to fix. That's a, it's like a wild left turn. <laughs> you never figure it that you would. You have would a never back. figure that no, this guy. Dude, that's I, like, I, I know. That's I mean, just a wild like. Wait, what? It's so hard to get my head around it. Do but people it's, it's come amazing. in and do a double take and it's like, is that go, fucking Ross yeah. the Boss? <laughs> I got Manowar, Manowar fans and Dictator fans and all these rock fans. Got to make Ross the Boss like baseball doing? bats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like a, That'd be a good merch item. So, I mean, it's a great thing. Uh, it's a it's a great business because I like sports. I love baseball. I, I love I love the game of baseball. I like boxing. You like boxing? Yeah. Heavyweight boxing? Uh, yeah, I saw the like. Yeah, I like it all. I just like boxing straight up. You like guys knocking. Like- no, I I don't. I just you know I started doing it so it's interesting to me it's very similar way that the guitar is interesting to me like it's squared you circle. practice yeah. and, and it's like you know it's just technique and it's all this stuff oh yeah you know so it's fun to observe so how did you get into like what was your entree into music how did you start well um so you know when I was really young growing up in the Bronx my grandmother played piano oh, right. she right. sang opera and you started with viola didn't you i started with piano oh, okay so so my grandmother was a pianist and beautiful voice my uncle my father's brother had, was an opera singer i studied a, a scala hmm. uh, you know my parents didn't have any musical talent so to speak but it was in my family mm. so i played so they started me on piano mm. like when i was like six or seven and like the, the, they told they told my parents that this kid has musical aptitude like you wouldn't believe. They said he should. Oh really? He should keep let this kid keep playing. So I had this great teacher. Here's here's this, here's crazy things. I had this great guy teacher, right? I forgot his name. He was teaching me. I knew the le- both clefs. I was I was playing, you know, both hands. You mm-hmm. know, reading sight reading. You know, like wow, you know. And then, I'm loving it, loving it, loving it, loving it. Then he leaves. Mm. 
he moves on for another school or something. Uh, he had something else to do. Broke and I'm like, your heart. I, and he did. He broke my heart. I was like, <laughs> yeah. and then they gave me this other lady. Fuck the piano. Yeah, they gave me this other lady who I just work. couldn't relate to her. Yeah. I just couldn't relate to her. So you got a good te- first teacher. So I had a good first teacher. Then I stopped playing. I I stopped playing piano, which, which you know, which was the worst mistake I probably ever made. And then and then in junior high school, I I uh, I joined the orchestra. I didn't play. I didn't know how to play anything. So I. They said, "How about violin?" I go, "Okay, so give me the violin." Mm. So I started. I started in the back of the orchestra, and in about three weeks, I was like number one, you know, number one violin or number two. I just, you know, it was like whoop. that's amazing. Killing yeah. it. What's yeah. your grandma's name? Uh, Edith. Edith. Edith Glattman. That's funny. Yeah. My grandma's name is Enid. T- yeah. She's passed, but yeah. he was Enid, and the other one was Ethel. Yeah. Funny so so uh, yeah. So so I, I advanced quickly on the violin, but then I had noticed that all the guys that were getting girls or any attention, <laughs> it was it was rock and roll. We're not playing violin. <laughs> yeah, no. It's like you know, like like Jerry Laflamme from you know from Maya Vishnu or something. Right. Like that, yeah, that yeah. guy. Jean Luc Ponte. Jean Luc Ponte. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I was like, I'm seeing like the Beatles and the Stones and. The, you know, and you it's put like, one and one together. I'm like, it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like, not working. You know, I'm like saying to myself, <laughs> so you went and got a good job. So I said, Grandma. I said, yeah. the same grandmother that you said, Edith. Edith. No, Edith, Edith, Edith. Edith. Grandma, <laughs> grandma Glattman, would you please? Can, can I get a guitar? <laughs> so she said, you want a guitar, Ross? She goes, yes, let's go what get a guitar. What did you get? I got an acoustic guitar. Oh, okay. She went down to Palumbo Music on, on she's Hill Road. She's a hero. Oh, she's the best. We Man. walked. We walked. We walked down to Palumbo Music together, uh-huh. and that's how much she loved me. And that's then we funny. and and then how far was the walk? It was it was a bit. It, it was you know because we had five blocks to White Plains Road, and then um, White Plains, and then like three blocks, five blocks after. It was a nice walk. Yeah. So we. And went, how old were you then? I must have been thirteen, thirteen, fourteen, something like right. that. So we got the guitar, and then I started learning. Uh, I teaching myself how to play. And then, then I went and got a an, uh, an electric guitar, not a very expensive one. And then I started really playing. And then my father goes, "Why don't you take lessons?" I go, "Okay." I say, "Take some lessons." So, take some lessons. And like in like four weeks, I was better than my teacher. <laughs> where did you get that? I don't know. Come on, you know where you got that drive. Where'd you get that drive? I just wanted to play. Girls. But, Girls. but like, what? I wanted to play. What makes you want to excel, though? There's there's people that want to play, and then there's people that want to excel. Well, and right. you're definitely of the latter. Well, you saw, you saw, you saw, like, you know, um, Peter Townsend. Right. You know, I said, I won't be like him. Right. I, I won't be like that guy. You know, so George Harrison. I want to be like that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, Brian Jones. I want to be like that guy. Keith Richards. I want to be like that guy. John, John Densmore at the door. I want to be like that guy. You know, 67 was, you know, that time in, in music was mm-hmm. just Magical. rock and roll was freaking ex- exploding. Yeah, but you did it also with piano and yeah. violin. Right. So and, I, and, I had a. And a batting cage. <laughs> that was later. And, uh, yeah, but it's the same. I. I. Uh, I, I took music very seriously, and especially rock and roll. And uh, blues music was my, my passion. Mm. So I consider like myself... Who? Oh, B.B. King was my idol. Right. I, I mean, I've been saying that all my life. Apparently he used like gauge seven strings on his guitar. Like really thin strings. Yeah. That's what I heard. 
And like Stevie Ray Vaughan uses 13s. I don't he leaves tree trunks. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's an aside. But so BB King, huh? Oh, I love him. How do you go from blues? It was Dictators your second band. So For, you, well, the Dictators was my was the first recording band. And what year was that? Uh, Seventy. We got discovered in seventy late seventy three. We got. Uh, Sandy Perlman, the Blue Oyster Cult manager, brought us to New York. Yeah. We did our demos for CBS and we got signed. Mm -hmm. And the first record, The Dictators Go Girl Crazy, came out uh, 1975. And yeah, how did you get from the blues to the dictators? Well, I mean, I was always a very heavy guitar player. I mean, you know, just, you know, I, you know, I. I had uh, friends. Uh, we were up in New Paltz College in in New York. Upstate. Yeah, my first band, and we were like a party band. And and then I met this guy Andy Chernoff, and we decided to form the Dictators. You know, little. I mean, I mean, I don't know whether you you know was there, a punk going around at no, the time. There was or? no such thing as punk. You yeah. guys invented it. Or well, sort of. Yeah, it? there was no such thing. They didn't call it punk rock yet. Mm. I mean, because we admired bands like. At the same time, we admired bands like the Flamin' Groovies and MC5. Stooges. The Stooges, of course. Uh, and then, of course, I, the, the the Who, the Beach Boys, Black Sabbath, when they started in 70. So, I mean, I had, I had all my influences still. Led Zeppelin, yeah. Jimi Hendrix. Still rock based. I feel like the yeah. Stooges were the first punk rock band. They were great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they mm. seemed to influence like... Oh, forget it. Everybody. Oh, of course. And then they seemed to be influenced by the Doors. They were influ influenced a by a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. Easy Beats, a yeah. lot of bands. So what was it like being starting the Dictators in 1975, did you say? Well, like in, the, it came C out in 1975. CBGBs or what? Was CBGBs it? didn't start going until 77. Okay. Well, it started in like late 76 when Patti Smith discovered it in Tom, with Tom Berlane and then they started playing there, and it was just like uh, basically a shithole. Oh, right. Yeah, the dog, you have to walk. Did that ever change? Well, they they started cleaning, cleaning the really. shit yeah. off the floors. But, I mean, right. it was our shithole, though. Were you yeah. going there in the early, before you were playing there? No, no. No. The Dictators, we started playing, we would play the Coventry in Sunnyside, Queens. We played with the Dolls. We played with the Brats. We played with... A lot of uh, Harlots of 42nd Street. There was a lot of bands there uh, at the time. Kiss was starting just as, you know, Kiss was starting. Did you know them? I didn't know. We didn't know them. But we, um, there were three, we knew at one point that there were three bands that had record contracts in New York City. It was the Kiss, the Dolls, and the Dictators. Mm. So it was a pretty wild time, you know, and then. That's Were you all doing the club scenes? Yeah. All three bands? Yeah. So did you cross paths with Kiss at the time? We didn't cross paths with Kiss. They had played the Coventry. We didn't play with them. But we played with the New York Dolls in the it, at the same time, in the same room. Mm. It was amazing. If, if, if I could have gone back in time with that, how much could we have charged for that show? Mm. <laughs> that, dolls were on one side, one, one stage, and the Dictators were on the other. You know, That was crazy. It was nuts. What about the Ramones? The Ramones came a year later. Oh, okay. okay so they, they were like a baby band in a way. Yeah, they came a year later, 76, their first record. Oh. And they 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 did California Sun just like we did on our first record. Oh, that's interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. So they were inspired, do you think? I, I don't know. How long did the Dictators survive for? Well, we we did three records, yeah. three major, major, uh, major releases. Then we took a hiatus, mm. and then that's when I joined Shaken Street from France, mm. 
And that's then I found myself opening up for Black Sabbath, my heroes <laughs> in England. That's and, crazy. And Ronnie James Dio introduces me to uh, right. Joey DeMeo, and then we decide to uh, form Manowar. That's wild. So I go from, you know, dictators to Manowar. I mean, it's just like people, how could you have done that? I mean, I just, I don't know. It's just, I did it. <laughs> it seemed, like, seemed to be like the thing to do. What do you mean, like, just, like, how does that operate, like, or how do you manifest that kind of thing? Or well, what? well, people consider that the dictators in Manowar are so different. It's right. a completely different genre, a completely different mindset. Do you think it's that different? Mm. Or do you think it's all just rock and roll? Well, I thought it was all rock and roll, but... Yeah, me too. Like, that, the different... Uh, genres confuse me all. Like, I, I, I hate it I don't even get it like especially in metal it's yeah horrible. especially metal oh, like this God. is speed metal this is thrash no this no is, no it's like what acoustic viking uh <laughs> like, this you know uh Progressive. No, we had John Schaefer in here from Ice yeah. to Earth, Did you? and he yeah. was like, "I don't like he any definitions." And he didn't like no. the definitions either. So mm. I'm like, "Okay, if these guys don't like the definitions, then fuck the definitions." <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, to me, it was it's just rock and roll. As a kid going 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 to the Fillmore, growing up there, I mean, all I saw was bands. I mean, like you know, Frank yeah. Zappa would play with a yard with a, with a Young Bloods and the you know with all these different bands. It didn't matter. You know, a blues artist would play with a rock they were band. Across, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just to say it's music. Did you ever spend any time out in L.A.? Nah. No, no, because there was somebody from the Dictators that I met out in L.A. Well, Scott lives out there. A long time ago, yeah. when I was making my second record and I was like dealing with like some addiction issues, and there's somebody from the Dictators that was in the program and took me to a meeting. Who, Manitoba? I don't know. I can't remember. It was like in the nineties. Really? It was a long time ago. Hmm. Yeah. So I was I was wondering if that was you, but I guess it wasn't uh, you. I never had I a went, problem. Like the guy came and picked me up at the studio. Really? Yeah, in his car, and we went and we went. So oh, good. Yeah, he was a nice guy. You don't remember his name? I can't remember. It was like yeah, nineties. Worst long time ago. Worst decade for rock and roll ever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, okay, so how long did you tour with the Dictators then, or did you guys tour? Oh, we toured a lot. Like, for what, three years? No, nah, we just toured from 75 to till 77 to 78, 75 uh, to 78. And what, in a van or a bus? Well, or all over. We toured, you know, no, we went what, everywhere. What, what did you tour in, a oh, van? vans usually. Vans. You know, cars, you know. We did a lot of tours with Blue Oyster Cult and the bigger bands because we had the same booking agency. So they figured they're going to throw us out on the big stage mm -hmm. and it's going to stick. Yeah. And a lot, you know, some people, did, you know, gave, you know, it was like, fuck you. And yeah. A lot of times people like, oh, this is great. And a lot of times, fuck you. Mm -hmm. You know. Don't you love that? Oh, I love it. Play with ZZ Top. Uh, I'm getting ready to go tour and be an opening band for two and a half months. Yeah? Yeah. Opening for Greg Dooley. Oh. Yeah. But I'm just saying that that whole like when you're opening for somebody, they don't know you. Sometimes it's like it can be rough. That could be rough. You, you know, yeah. ACDC opened up for the Dictators. That's right. That's right. At the Palladium. That's crazy. ACDC and Michael Stanley Band. It was like fucking Michael Stanley Band, Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah, baby. I'm from Ohio. I'm from Akron. That's good. That's so funny. <laughs> so what are these guys <laughs> doing? What are these guys doing on this show? Michael. But that was back then. They just they packaged up bands. They throw everyone on. Yeah. But ACDC opened up for the band. Mm -hmm. The best, they were the friendliest, nicest guys. Yeah. Then they pack themselves up and they go to CBGB's and play a show. 
That's funny. It's a legendary. They write about it in their in their history in their blog. Oh wow. Yeah. And so, were you making a living with the dictators at that time? Yeah, I were mean, guys, they, we were on salary. So yeah, so you guys, you Sending, didn't need you didn't need a day job or anything. Not, like that. not back then. No, I was luckily to things weren't that expensive, and right. we were able to survive on what they were paying us, huh. which wasn't a lot. But it was Epic Records, right? Yeah. Epic Records, major deal, major yeah. deal. But we was you see, we had a production deal with Sandy and Murray, so they were kind of like they were paying the bills. What do you think may, made a major label take a chance on a band like The Dictators back then? Was that, that was Punk a, rock was happening. No, no it wasn't. Not it, in 75. No, no. So know. how, what, what? I have what, no idea. Who in Epic said, huh. hey, I want to sign these guys? Well, Murray Krugman, working for, you know, he had done stuff with Johnny Winter and Blue Oyster Cult. So Blue Oyster Cult was the baby, and they were starting to, you know, you know break a little bit. So they had some clout. Sandy had some clout with, with CBS. So one of the guys from CBS was a huge, huge wrestling fan. And of course we had, you know, our, the image of the band was Handsome Dick Manitoba, who's a good wrestler. I mean, this guy is, you know, what does that have to do with anything? You know, it's like- Handsome what, Dick Manitoba. Yeah, what does that have to do with rock and roll? I didn't know, but so, <laughs> all right, so here we are. Everything. Everything. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> You just didn't know it yet. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't know it. We found out. That was everything. Handsome so, Dick Manitoba was ahead of so his I think time. It's <laughs> was... like saying Handsome Dick Manitoba. I know. I think it's Canada's Sounds like great, a porn star. Canada's greatest athlete. That's funny. So uh, <laughs> the guy, the guy signed this. Mike Kleffner, I think, was, his, and somehow he was, he was influenced to sign us. I don't know how or why. But Sandy would always point out, but look at their guitar player. He's amazing. He's as good as he's as good as Buck Dharma. He's as li listen to that guy play. And, and it was always that that I was there, mm. and I know. And you can like, look, that guy could fucking rip on you like a mad dog, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's like, look how great he, you know. So that I guess I'm not gonna toot my own horn, but that's was you know. Toot your horn, man. Yeah, but that's what it was, I guess, back then. But uh. We we survived and we changed, but we changed our image and we changed the, the members of the group. So we didn't have a real cohesive image like the Ramones had. And uh, you still considered, I mean, pioneers. Yeah, of, I know we don't want to label it of punk. Yeah, no. That first, the thing is, is like when it first came out, people looked at look at looked at us like we were a bunch of assholes. We were really a bunch of assholes. Who the fucking with these guys, you know? And then. A few people got it, right? And then we got a horrible review in uh, in Rolling Stone. How many stars? Oh, I don't know what it was. <laughs> Rob, Robert Criscow gave us a horrible, and we were we were shattered. We were like, we were like destroyed, man. And then it turns out after a couple of years, he recanted and rewrote and retook back his review and wrote. An amazing review of it. Really? When, yeah. So it was like the first time that ever happened. And That's like, crazy. And, and then, then all of a sudden, people are like, "This is amazing." And like, then, my bad. That was so. Wrong. So it, it it's gotten. It came around a couple of years ago. The Uncut Magazine from the UK. You know that magazine? Yeah, I know that. It's magazine. a fantastic yeah. magazine, right? Can be. Sometimes they review my albums well. Other times, <laughs> not so much. So, hmm, so did they recant any of those? They need so, to do all some of a recanting, sudden, man. Fuck Scott, them. Scott sends me. Scott sends me something, and it's like top. It's the number one U.S. punk record of all time. 
the first dictators the album. first dictators record and wow. I'm like I have I have it here somewhere like I'm like floored I'm going you know what we knew that we knew that it was just it was just a matter of time we knew that no honestly but that's amazing yeah dude. the how things change yeah. yeah that's cool time uh, time does some interesting shit and now the now the record is hanging in the in the punk rock Hall of Fame and, and punk you just rock got in some heavy metal Hall of Fame yeah, too, right? I, yeah, I was voted in the first the first class in, in 2016 with Dio. Right. That's with Ronnie Dio. Fucking love Ronnie. The James Metal Dio. Hall. They, they call it the Hall of Heavy Metal History, but they changed it to the Metal Hall, which is much better. Yeah, and so now I, it's a big thing. Now it's it's like on the map, huge. How, where is that? We don't have a building yet. Oh, it's no building. Okay, we're, so. we're, we're in theory. Thinking. In theory. So, but it's in our minds. It's in our minds. In our hearts. The legend. More importantly, it's in our hearts. It's in our minds. How long between the dictators and man of war then? I would have to say four years. And what'd you do? Well, I was in Shaken Street. Oh, okay. Yeah. In France. I was in France. France. Oh, okay. And so you lived in France. I lived in France for about a year, two years. Where and, in and France? Paris. Uh, what do you... Do you speak French? Un petit peu. Un petit peu. <laughs> we just uh, went through the show. Un petit, <laughs> un petit peu. Je m'appelle. Je m'appelle Ross, Ali. L- Ross Le Boss. <laughs> <laughs> All I had to know was je t'aime chérie. <laughs> and what's that mean? I love you, my dear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you enjoyed those years. How did you end up in that band? Well, because Sandy Perlman, our manager. I love France, by the way. Anyway, go. Yeah, well, it was. I love, uh, uh, so Sandy Perlman went to Paris and he discovered Shaken Street, who was also on CBS France. So S- Sandy had a huge thing with CBS because BOC had blown up on it. So uh, he had produced The Clash and he'd produced all these other, he was a great, you know, BOC, you know, producer and everything and manager. And then, so Fabienne Shine, the singer, you know, went to Sandy. I, would you help? You know, blah blah blah. And Sandy was very interested. So she he complete she completely got him, boy, because she was so smokingly hot, beautiful. She still is. Mm. And um, so is she on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> you should. She, she was a legit model back. She then. legit model, and she was going out going out with Jimmy Page, and um, so she goes to Sandy. Sandy, uh, we don't have a guitar player. Our guitar player sold his guitar for heroin. <laughs> Seriously. So many of them do. I know. I, 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 and I, I go, so so Sandy goes, I, just, I have the guy for you. He's sitting home right now. Ross Lebar. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, you ever hear of the band called The Dictators? Goes, of course. I mean, he goes, he's sitting home. He wants something to do. Have you ever heard of The Dictators? So, yeah, so so next day I was in Paris. And you jo- you joined them as just a guitar player? You wrote with them? Yeah, just guitar, uh, you know, they needed a guitar player. So I played for, I think my audition was about six seconds. Did you tour in France? Yeah. That's, I've done a lot of touring in France. You know that how many shows? Is, you know how many shows? Is fun, dude. You know how many shows we played in how France? Many? Like 48. Yeah. I, I, can I couldn't even that. know. I couldn't even believe that there yeah. were that many places to play there. In 30 days. I've done like 26 <laughs> city tours in France myself. Yeah, yeah there, there's so many little, little cities and stuff. places, yeah. And they're amazing. And everywhere you go, there's like um, like cheese plates that will blow your mind. And, and, and we were living, living on... No, but for real though, dude. Like living on hard bread and cheese, cheese and sausage. And wine. And having, <laughs> having no bowel movements for seven days. Exactly. 
You can no longer and then, use the uh, go number two. And the first time while. I went there, <laughs> for real. The first time I was there, I was, I was there with the dictators, but I really didn't have no recollection. But when, in the Shakespeare, I went to the whole. We were playing in this big place, and I went to the bathroom, and the bathroom was a hole in the ground. Mm, oh yeah, those old European. <laughs> and I'm like, they forget about the toilet. They're just like, you know what? Fuck it. Toilet. Let's just, let's just, just dig keep a the hole. hole in the ground. Is that Fuck like it. from? Is that like from the castles? I think you're supposed. You're meant to squat. Yeah. Like the proper squatting technique. I think that's where perfume that's came from. from yeah. plumbing. But that's like my whole rock and roll life was mm. based around France. But so, so you toured with them for a year, and you were with them for a few years. Yeah, and I, made friends, I made friends with Trust and Telephone, with all the bands, mm. very dear friends, and. Uh, so, I like French audiences. They're more passionate. I, yeah. I like all audiences, man. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Shout out all audiences. <laughs> I love you all. And then I Paul love you all. comes in and is like, you're opening up for Black Sabbath. Just yeah. Well, like then that. we were within, in the States. We're on the Black and Blue tour. Yeah. And then we find ourselves in England opening up for Black Sabbath. And then... Where? All over at Nottingham, oh, okay. City Hall. Uh, Proper tour. Manchester. City Hall, you know, really Black Sabbath. I mean, were they doing mob rules? Ma it, no, heaven, and, heaven and, hell. and hell. Oh, heaven and hell. So it was his first tour there. So he comes up to me, this guy, right after our sound check. He goes, "Hi, Ross." I go, "Hi, Ronnie. Hi, hi." And, you know, it's like I'm like, "Why are you?" I mean, this guy talking to me. He goes, "I, I want to tell you, I really like, love the way you play guitar. I love the Dictators. Amazing. I love all the New York rock. I knew I, this is the sweetest guy in the world yeah, I heard coming that. up to me and like like talking and being so lovely to me. And he goes, by the way, I have a I have my friend, one of our guys on our crew, play bass, like you've never seen before. Wow! And he came up to me and goes, you should check him out. I go, yes, sir. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Whatever you say. Okay. So yeah. you know, so it was just a, one of those things. It was meant to be. So I, you know, I put my stuff down put my guitar down get ready you know the shows you know the sound checks so the show's like in an hour and a half doors and I, I went and sought Joey out and I you know started talking to him and became friends and it's a legendary story how Manowar started so you know through Ronnie James Ronnie Dio. James Dio as, as great as he was with all sorts of things that he'd done he's responsible for Manowar that's amazing yeah yeah if it wasn't for him who knows if I would ever met him and so what year did that start that was, that had to be 1980. Okay, so we're just landing Similar, in the 80s, yeah. 1980s. So my last show was Aloha Stadium uh, with Molly Hatchet and Black Sabbath, and it was it was uh, Vinnie Apice's first show with Black Sabbath. Mm -hmm. It was crazy, crazy, crazy things. So Tony was all nervous because mm. it was the first drum, it was the first new drummer he's ever played with in his life. Mm. It was a great show. So that was going to be my last show. Joey and I was going to fly back to New York. Move, everyone's into my house in Mount Vernon, and we're going to start the band. I named my—I didn't want to screw Shaken Street up because I love them. So I, uh, one of our friends, we, you know, we recommended one of our friends to replace me. We got permission. We did it nice, and uh, we started writing songs for Man of War. Yeah. How would you come up with the songs? You come up with the riffs. We, I started doing riffs. I mean, how do you I, come up with riffs? It, it's 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 in your head. What do you mean? Well, the music's in your head. You think of it. You, I think of riffs when, when I'm when I'm walking around. I can think of a riff. Okay. You know, I can think of. Uh, so you don't have to have the guitar. To not necessarily, but sometimes when you're bashing it out on guitar, things happen. You know, the ideas fly. Right, right. You know, that's how it happens for me a lot. Yeah. 
So, you know, wh- wherever the inspiration comes from, uh, sometimes you have to rob so- rob something or mm. borrow something or, you know, <laughs> I never did that. No. But uh, Great artist steal. Of course. And, uh, but, uh, you know, those riffs come and, uh, you know, so. So, you know, I so started, started writing, writing songs. Yeah. W- did you write the lyrics too? No. No. The one thing I never do is write lyrics and I'm just, if I did, I would have rather been writing the lyrics as well. Melody? Huh? Melody? Or oh, I do melodies, melodies. And, and song titles and, you know, influencing things and, mm-hmm. you know, like the first Man, Man album was you know, called Battle Hymns and so, like a song called Death Tone, I wrote that song, I wrote mm. the music and... You know, the sound of bikers, you know, like when you hear like that, when you hear the, like a hundred bikes, that's the death tone. So Manowar took off pretty good though, right? Didn't well, it, it was rough. It, yeah. it was rough in the beginning because no okay. one understood, no one really understood us in America. We had, my friend from uh, EMI, Bob Curry signed me, mm. signed the band, and no one else was going to sign Manowar. Then, no fucking way. Because uh, we wanted a ton of money, we wanted to buy a ton of gear. Would be the loudest band in the world, mm. and we did it. And Curry did it. Curry was able to, uh, you know, excuse me. Curry was able to. We got I don't know, like 150 grand Damn. back then in '81. Yeah, a lot of money. And did you guys tour like on a bus and everything? Well, like then, <laughs> then, then we got Bill O'Coin to manage the band, mm. the Kiss manager, and he's just all about just go out and spend money. I know, you know, it's like well, we can't do that. We they put us out on the road with Ted Nugent. Uh, in Texas, opening for Ted Nugent. Yeah, and we had a semi worth of freaking equipment. So, I go, we can't have a semi. And Ted Ted's gear was like this, and our gear was like this. How long do you think we're going to stay on this tour? <laughs> Two shows. Right. He kicked you off. He yeah. Kicked you off. And we were smoking. We were smoking. And Ted comes to me and, hey, you know, you know my, you know guy, you know we're also going to be a lean mean rock and roll machine going to make through 1982. A lean mean rock and roll machine going to make a new. And, and I love Ted Nugent. Mm. I love the guy. Yeah. <laughs> love his guitar playing. And uh, so we 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 weren't long on that tour. So and then and then EMI dropped us. And Wait, then, he was saying a lean mean rock. It's going to take a lean mean rock and roll machine to, to get through nineteen eighty two. Dude, that's the greatest line I've ever heard. It's yeah. going to take a lean mean rock and roll machine to get through nineteen eighty two. Somebody needs to make that a T-shirt. I'll never right forget away. that. Ted Nugent telling so me that. That's fucking funny. And what do you mean, like get rid of all your extra gear? Yeah, or? I mean get rid of us. Get rid of. <laughs> I, I got to cut corners here. You right. mean you got to cut your competition here? Yeah. But uh, no, it's 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 expected. You know, he had Pat Travers group opening up as well, so they, we, you know. So did you guys find success eventually? Like, we did. Yeah, because you guys became legendary. So. We went to Europe and had to yeah. come in Europe. And we didn't do enough touring in the United States. We should have had a small truck. And when the, the buzz was on for Man of War, yeah. I mean, really on, we should have been touring every little metal place in the United yeah. States like all the other bands were doing. And we didn't. Because Joey wanted all the big gear and he wanted the big so show. So it always had to be huge all the yeah, time. Yeah, and it... Very yeah. few shows. We were playing Lemoore's all the time in, in yeah, Brooklyn. Yeah, you need to figure out a stealth way to go. That's true. Go about You're absolutely right. It. And be prepared to go big sometimes. Well, we could. We but, did. But, well, but go back and forth. Well, that's the, the that's the thing. And Manowar missed a, a huge opportunity, sadly. And, you know, we relinquished the United States, in, in my opinion, to the other bands. To, you know, Megadeth, Metallica. Right. Was the, that the competition the you felt? Yeah, well, you know, you know yeah. testament to all those bands at the time, sure. Yeah, you know, I, I I produced Anthrax, 
you know, I, I helped Right, them. you produced the first demo, right? Yes, yeah. this to me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, thank you. you yeah. yeah, You sort of broke them, got them signed. There's, yeah, they couldn't get yeah, signed it's a, until you produced them. So Johnny Z, yeah. 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 That's so true. finally, uh, they, you know, they were hunting Johnny Z, you know, and then all the... In all the in all the truck stops in New Jersey, just you know, <laughs> if, you know hunting him down and just yeah, Scott, you know, come on, come on, sign me. So finally goes, you know, you should get Ross to produce a demo. Yeah. So I produced two songs, and the one song, Soldiers of Metal, that's what cinched it. Right. So they signed to Megaforce. Yeah. Did you produce anyone else? I produced a band called Black Lace, a band with a lovely uh, lady, Marianne Scandifio. And uh, who did the box set? Just coming out. Mm. My friend Bart's putting it out. That's uh, cool. Yeah, well, that's early in your career. What made you? Was that the first time you produced? What made yeah. you decide, though, I'll be a producer? Well, I had a lot of knowledge already because I had done like, you know, five records at the time, and people just trusted me. You know, so. So how many albums did you make with Man of War? Six, Six. right? Yeah, and then what? What happened with that? What would, did it did it go big ever? Or did you? Well, guys... yeah. Well, the thing was, is the band was building and building and building in Europe, and so the final record that I played on Kings of Metal, we knew that that record was just gonna go. It's just gonna, we were gonna we were gonna tear tear Europe open like a like a like a tuna can. You know? How'd you know that? Because it was good. It was very good, and okay. uh, I I you know it was like so. But of course, Joey DeMeo thought it was the right time to. Kick you out. Yeah. Why? Take egos. Ego. You know, we, I mean, listen, to, to say that I was getting along 100% with him all the time, no, because nobody does. Nobody so. does get along that, but he doesn't want, he never wanted any conflict Conflict with anything. It's it's just him and his decision on the band, blah, 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 blah. So it was, it was probably right, the right time to jettison his partner, which is, it's sad because the, the, the Kings of Metal tour could have been. Unbelievable. How many years were you together at that point? Six. Six. Seven. And it just reached a oh, reached a boiling point, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I didn't start actually I don't start didn't start music to to be unhappy. Right. In my life. So I you know, it was like I was am I gonna fight this guy? Looking back on it I should have. I should have just I ain't going. But who was the face of the band like back then? Was it you or him? Like if you left and you started your own Man of War, like who owned? Was that ever an option? Nah, I think that the the, the singer Eric Adams. Was he the, was the yeah. uh, the face of it. Probably one of the fi the greatest singers in metal ever. Right. You know. And what did did you get feedback from fans back then? Oh yeah. Oh, there was a lot you of feel a lot of fans jumped. Still ship. to this day. Well, because I didn't really start a metal band right after that. What'd you do? I did uh, Manitoba's Wild Kingdom. Which is what? Which is the Dictators minus one guitar player. Oh, okay. Which is me. So you went back to punk. No, it's more, this was more. Hardcore? Hard metal, yeah. Right. Yeah. Not to label we it. We had that song, The Party Starts Now. Mm-hmm. You might have heard it. How's it go? Stop that whining. If you had a bad day, if you lost some weight, you might get laid. <laughs> <laughs> That's a classic. Oh, <laughs> instant. Before we leave Man of War, you were, you were known for the the outfit i'm just i'm just like who came oh, up i knew that was going to come up with that <laughs> i mean our look i mean the conan the barbarian look well 
Okay. All right. So you I, don't you don't have to answer. No, I'm just curious no, no. In my mind, Man of War, I always go to those album covers that were just it's cheesy. But well, but, but the one made an impact. It's a Glory Ride was cheesy. I thought. Yeah. But I had my always my pants on. But uh, I, I accept it. But uh, <laughs> the look of the band came from the fact that back then all you saw from the metal world was denim, leather, and studs. Black leather and studs. So how could we stand out amongst the rest of the bands um, and make an impact? Well, what's crazier and wilder than that? Has to be animal furs, right? Who's yeah. that, was it your idea? Well, like a band decision. I, I thought of a lot. Of, <laughs> Joey and I thought of a lot of things together. You know, so we got to make ourselves look fucking insane. You know, like you know, at, at one point. So we got the, the the original outfits. I thought looked very very good on the first record. If you see those pictures, yeah. Uh, but then. We, we on the second one we changed the look and then we had to get new outfits we had no money so everything was done on you know very cheap so that's when I thought it kind of looked a little that's when you regretted the decision well I you know with the bikini and the chaps and the the you know all so, that stuff but you were committed to, to touring and playing like that yeah so, we had to look like that yeah you know so I thought that that that's the, like a big decision the Into Glory ride look was a little cheesy right. but it was effective, and I and I know that our female fans really appreciated it. Why? Because we were half naked. Oh, okay. <laughs> you think they like that? Yeah. <laughs> Back then, yeah. <laughs> it was the '80s. Oh, it was crazy. What was it like then compared to now? The music business. Oh, it was so much better. It was. Ugh. Why? Well, because bands actually were selling records. Yeah. You know, you're actually selling millions and millions of records. Yeah, making money. Yeah. Did you guys make money? Did all right. Okay. There wasn't the giant pay paycheck, but right. was, you know, but uh, yeah. But then, but uh, it was crazy. But it's freer now, though, don't you think? In terms of just no, you don't. What's like, freer? Just creativity seems freer because then it was like. You know, you were a lot. You had to get aligned to a, a record company machine and all this other stuff. Now you can kind of be more independent. Well, you can do everything yourself. Yeah, you know, including distribution. The thing, the thing about it is, and the streaming and all that other crapola. Mm -hmm. The thing then was the imagery of the band. You had to have a certain image, and especially when glam things went crazy in L.A., everybody you had to have this look. Like Motley Crue and yeah. all that. Yeah, you had to be skinny as fuck. Yeah. You know? And I was never that skinny. I was pretty skinny at one point, but I was like, you know, you know I ain't looking like that. Mm. I ain't dressing up in my in my mommy's clothing either. Right. So, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you had everything was pigeonholed. You had to have this certain look. You had to have the image. You had to have this. You had to have that. But. It was crazy. the The eighties was crazy. Yeah. All right, so, as man, did they re-record some of the old classic albums? Yeah. Why they do that? They had nothing else to do. No, it was just like <laughs> fucking around. I don't know why would they do it. I don't know. I just maybe I don't just, understand just to spite going me. into the past like maybe that. to spite me. You think so? Yeah. So there's bad blood there. I wouldn't doubt it. I don't know why. Well, just to give them something to do. Why would you? Why would you re-record a classic record? Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me either. I don't get that. No. 
Why? It's done. You, it's, you, you ain't making it any better. Right. Just make a new thing. There's always something. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just money. Or, I don't know. I don't know. There's just no reason to record battle hymns. There's no re reason to re-record Kings of Metal. There's no, you know. I don't know. That's my thing, but who knows? I'm not. I'm not in control. So with so Ross the boss is like when did that when did that form? So we we started. Uh, uh, I started to come back to Europe around let's see two twenty oh five. Okay, there, there was the Earthshaker Festival. That was all Manowar members on stage. That's when everyone was still talking, I guess. So we were all... All original? All original, you know. And so it was all lineups to there. I did like a couple of songs and people flipped out that I was there. And then then I got calls from promoters. Would you like to play? Could, would you come play early? a set of early Manowar stuff? Would you... Would you, you know, I said, but but I don't have a band. They go, well, we have a tape of this band. They're called Men of War, and they did a covers, and they sent me the band. I thought it was a I was, tribute to Man of War. Yeah, I Man thought I was listening to. I thought I was listening to the yeah. old records because really? I had been. They were that good. I, well, I, I hadn't been listening to the records. I said, well, unless that sounds good, you know. So I said, okay, mm. so let's do it. So uh, my first appearance at the Keeper True Festival in in Germany, which is a very very amazing festival, uh, Keep It True, it's called. And uh, our first appearance, I got the German band, and we, re and we rehearsed, and we played Keep It True. And it was good. We did we did very well. And then uh, I said, well, guys, do you want to make a, you guys want to make a demo? So he said, let's let's do a demo. So start, I had some ideas. So we did a demo. And then I, I gave it to my friend, uh, Ollie Weinsheimer, who's the, the, the promoter would keep it true, gave it to AFM and and he goes, they want to sign you. So well, here we go again. So I got signed uh, to AFM and we put put out the first record, uh, New Metal Leader, it's called, and we put it out in 2008. And that's you with the man man yes. of work. Uh, it became Ross the Boss Pin, right? That's crazy. Yeah, that's so fucking. I goes, funny. you guys want to be? You want? You know? You want to do this? They landed the jackpot. So, yeah, they, <laughs> they like they, they like they did. went from a tribute band to like the new band, <laughs> right? And that's what they did. And they were really cool guys. They're really good. Yeah, that's manifestation. Yeah, they manifested Ross. Yeah, they manifested <laughs> Ross. So, but I but the thing is, I had a I had a European band now, and so uh, we did another record. Uh, it was called Hailstorm in 2010. And then I kind of felt that I wanted an American band, and it was nothing against them. They were great guys, great friends to this day. So I said, guys, I'm not going to go for the next record. I want to change things. And then I stopped playing Art Ross the Boss in 2010. So I went to my friend's, uh, this guy, Sean Peck. He called me up, and he goes, I want you to be in my band. It's either you or K.K. Downing. I go, okay, what's the name of the band? He goes, well, we're going to call it Death Dealer. So, okay, send me some songs. <laughs> I didn't know who this guy was. So uh, I, he, he was a vocalist in this band called Cage, another mm. band, Cage. So uh, I, I liked it. And the guitar player, Stu Marshall, who I mentioned, he's from Australia. And then uh, so I joined, I joined on to Death Dealer as a guitar player. I didn't have to do anything. I just, just be the guitar player, mm. which I liked. Right to this day, so we did the first record, and then we did the second record for Sweden, uh, Sweden Music, 
label. And we've done now we have a third record done. It's coming out uh, so in this the summer. Is a side band, you're still so I'm still in. Yeah, wow. I'm very good friends. And that. Stu and Stu wrote the song uh, "Made in the Shadows." Of that video. Oh, okay. Now I am. So now we I have a real it. close relationship with everybody, and uh, should do a double bill. Uh, with <laughs> well, because the Death Dealer, we have my drummer Steve Bolognese is in Death Dealer, and my guitar player, my bass player Mike Lapon, played on the last record. So we have three ba three, the three of us are in Death Dealer minus. So it's you know three out of five Death Dealer or Ross the Boss band. And then how did the recent Ross the Boss form, uh, lineup form? Okay, so then it went, went on with Death Dealer, and then my the, Ollie goes, uh, do you know this, this singer, Mike Katoya? This singer is, is the closest thing to Eric Adams I've ever heard in my life. You know Mike Katoya? I go, yeah, he lives in my neighborhood. He's a kid, lives in my neighborhood. He's my uh, nephew's best friend. He goes... Would you want to play? And because you got to play a set of old Manowar because people are jonesing because Manowar is just pissing everyone off. Mm -hmm. Come to play again. I go, come to the festival again. I go, okay. So I put the band together. My my, my uh, nephew on drums, Lance Bornwald, and uh, Mike Katoya vocals, and then we got this guy Kevin uh, on bass. And then we did keep it. We, it was a surprise at the Keep It True Festival. It was a surprise guest. So I, I kept in... No one knew my band. No one knew the guys, the kids. But I kept I kept in like a sweatshirt and my hoodie the whole time I had to keep it through. Like backstage, I was walking around. No one knew it. And, and, and who's, who's, the, who's the special guest? Who is he? Who's the special guest? And uh, no one knew. And so our time to play. I get on stage. I'm still, still, still covered up. Plug in. And then I take my sweatshirt off and my back to the audience and I turn around and I go, it's fucking Ross. And then, you know, then we lit, then we lit into the, <laughs> it was the biggest surprise, the biggest best kept secret ever. Actually a great secret. And we blew the place apart. And then after that, I got offers to play festivals, rock hard festival. Uh, and then I got my promoters and then my agents go, you want to do a tour of, uh, you want to do like 40, 38 shows? I go, 38 shows? Okay, so I said, guys, you want, you want to do 38 shows? And they go, no. So my band said no to me to do a lot of shows. Why? Because they didn't want to leave. Because they, they didn't want to tour. No, they didn't want to tour. People, so, people are soft nowadays. I was, yeah. So these kids, but they were 20-year-old. You're trying to tell me 20-year-old metal musicians don't want to tour Europe? Yeah, I don't get it. How do you not tour Matt in Europe? It's because the internet. How do you not? The tour? internet's ruined everybody. So, what do you do to maintain your enthusiasm of for life and all this stuff? Like, do you do any kind of like spiritual practice or exercise or anything nah. like this? Nothing. No. Nah. Nah. I just, I just, you just, you just exist. I just exist in this world of rock. Yeah. I, I'm just glad to play. I love playing guitar. I love playing. I love playing live. But so, you get up early and you're on the phone with your label every day type of thing? And now I have a, I hired the, one of the best publicists in the world, right? Chipster Entertainment PR, and he's got me so busy really right now that, I mean, like right now, I got to leave. I got a podcast and uh, shit. I'm going to Don Jameson later. Oh, okay. Soon. You yeah. Know? 
So, but he's got me so busy and so much, uh, so much PR and stuff like that. Mm. So, what do you talk about with the label when you wake up in the morning? Like, what's there to talk about every day? Well, when's the vi- the next video coming out? Uh, they got me interviews. Um, you know, there's all sorts of stuff to talk about. Believe me, mm. you know, because we yeah. don't want them. Because they have a lot of bands that they put out, and uh, seems like metal's alive in, in Europe. It and sure Germany. is. More All than over. it is in the U.S. It really is. Yeah, yeah, but we 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 saw a lot of support for metal here. So, so you're just saying the band didn't want to tour. The with band you. didn't. Then yeah, you, then the you band changed. didn't want to tour. And I said, okay, guys, you're fired. So that was that. You're fired. You don't tell me how to work my brand. Yeah. So, sorry, guys. So I got Mike LaPond. I got uh, Mark Lopes, my current singer, Mike LaPond, and the old drummer from Manuel Rhino. He did a, a year with us. And he left right before Vakken. Then I got Lance to come and play. So you did Vakken as Rasta Boss? Yep. It was wow. great. And uh, I was also given the uh, ambassador of, of uh, the whole heavy metal history award in front of 90,000 people. That's interesting. Yeah. That's amazing. So with Denied by the Cross, does it ever freak you out, see, like having songs that are kind of like anti-religion like religion or anti-God? Do you ever believe in God or like get afraid of God or well, anything like that? Well, I have my own relationship. You know, yeah. I am Jewish. but uh, the, 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 Are you a believer? Yeah, or? sort of. But the, the song is not about anti-Christian or right. release. It's about Dracula. Oh, okay. Okay, it's Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. Okay, so if you know the story. Right. Of, of of Vlad Vlad's woman killing herself because the Muslims tossed in a uh, a message saying that Vlad was dead. She she just like ah she jumped off the you know, but when Vlad returned, she's dead in front of the in front of the the, the priests. Mm. But the priests won't give her any benediction, right? Any services because she killed herself. Huh. And in Christianity, if you kill yourself, you're done. Right. You're done. So Same that's when you, that's right. That's when you, that's yeah, when. They don't like it when you kill yourself. No. So that's, <laughs> that's like cheating big yeah. time. So that's when Vlad went berserk. Then he damned, he damned the church to, 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 to eternity. Why, but why do you think that is that whole, like that metal thing and that sort of like anti-Christian, not that you guys have that necessarily, but like. Where, where not do you, in power where, metal. Why do you think that comes from? Oh, just I, like people like I to, think just trying to be shocking. People like to be shocking. Yeah, like punks walking around with swastikas. Right. Same sort of thing. It's a knucklehead. You shut up. Man. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. You know, you know. Yeah, it's funny. Who does your artwork? Because I, I just love, I saw your merch at the last yeah. show and it's just beautiful. Is, you yeah. have any input on that? That's Stan W. Decker. Stan W. Decker. And, uh, He's fantastic. French guy. Another French guy. Another French man. He did Born of Fire, and uh, he did uh, By Blood Sworn, and then he just did this. I think this is incredible. I said, see, I don't want to... I don't want a big guy with a sword on my on my album cover nah, anymore. Fuck I, that. that is played out. I've seen so many covers with that. It's just enough. Big I'm, guys with swords. Yeah. I, I, mean, <laughs> I like this, what, you got, this what is, you're working with better on that, this one. That is what I'm working with now. I want that. <laughs> that is what I want on, yeah. my, on my stuff. Because women are, women are powerful. They're more powerful. To me, they're more powerful than men. So, yeah. You know. Well, and the dragon is just... Oh, that guy on top there. Yeah, he's... Uh, He's either protecting her or about to do something. Yeah. You never know. 
Hmm. But it's uh, Born of Fire. <laughs> Made in the shadows. Nice. That's and the cool. album's coming out this Friday. I would say today is Tuesday. Yeah. Friday. Nice. nice. Congratulations. Thank you. And then what's what's next? What's after this? Well, glad you said that. Uh, we have uh, a whole month in Europe okay. of touring. And we have a special guests, the Burning Witches from Switzerland. They're a female. And we have a band from... The UK called Assamville, and they're like, oh, like, they look like Motorhead a bit, but they're rock and roll maniacs. They're, mm-hmm. So my tour, my bus is going to be insane. We're all on the bus together. Right. Can you imagine the scene with Burning Witches, my knuckleheads, yeah. and Assamville? You need to make a fucking reality TV oh, show. This is going to be. <laughs> yeah, get, this is going to be. Ehud needs to go out with you and I'm, film I'm telling the whole you, thing. We have 18. Sell it to our TBS. Buses, our bus is packed. Our solid. The bus company won't let us take any more people on our bus. What, what bunk do you pick? I have the back lounge. Back lounge. Uh, oh, you get the back lounge? <laughs> yes. Damn. I That's it, why he's he Ross the, the boss. boss. I had it last <laughs> I'm telling you. Why? Because you're claustrophobic? Because. I'm responsible for everything. It's my tour. Oh, okay. Is it clubs, theaters? What are you doing? In yeah, it's everything. You know, I, and I think this thing is going to explode. I think because they're they're putting out a record, uh, we're putting out a record, and we played on their record. Mike mm. and I played. A, they did we did battle hymns, the famous Man War song, and we me and Mike uh, played on their song. So it's great. Hey, if somebody told you like back when you started like in the dictators or something that you would be where you are now and still this enthusiastic about music and what you're doing and what you're getting ready to do, would you have believed them? Back in the day? Back in the day. I mean like to be, you know, where you are now. Well, back in the day, I was a was was a just I, I was kind of stupid. I I didn't know what I knew now. I'm like yeah. I was more Willing to do anything just to play, you know, right. you know, cause that kind of enthusiasm. I, I think that kind of enthusiasm I still have, right? To play, you know, because I, I view it as an honor to play, right? What, what so you think it's maybe because you're gr- grateful that you have that kind of enthusiasm still, yeah, yeah, yeah. because I know, I know I don't know any better because I, cause I think that if I didn't have that enthusiasm and I was down and I was dour, I think my health would suffer. I don't think I'd be here right now, right. I think I see some guys that are all chewed up and, and just, you know, but people that, you know, maintaining that enthusiasm yeah. for life is is huge, but you uh but you don't really I don't know, normally when people have that kind of enthusiasm, they have like, oh, here's my morning routine, I work out, I pray, I go meditate, like <laughs> you're not any doing of- any of that ah, and yet you still shit. have all that enthusiasm. Nah, I got to work. I got to work. I gotta play, I gotta work at yeah. my at my cage. I gotta I gotta do things. I don't think you know d- days off are are, are 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 foreign to me. You know the root of enthusiasm is full of God. Oh really? Yeah, from like I guess Latin or something. It's like it means to be full of God. Ooh. Isn't that funny? Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Yeah, we yeah. probably got to let you go, right? Like soon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I gotta be cool. Well, this will this will be pushed and come out on Friday. The, did the, I, the album comes out. Did I do good? Oh, you did great. Yeah. What what else? Do, <laughs> what else should we talk about before we go? Well, who, who's one of your biggest icons? Yeah. What about what are your you favorite guitar up, players that you oh. actually met? Other than Dio, I guess. I met BB King. I shook his hand. What was that I, like? Oh, it was like meeting God to Where, me. Where'd you meet him? In France, in Paris. Oh wow. I told him I, I told him how much I loved him, and uh, he was very, very humble. And mm-hmm. it teaches me you have to be humble, and it teaches me to shake every every fan's hand. Mm-hmm. And after the show, that's another thing about me. After the show, I put my guitar down and I zoom up to the zoom to the merch, and I shake everyone's hand. Mm-hmm. I give everyone a guitar pick. I do. I give every fan a guitar pick that asks. I sign everything. Um, that's to me. That's my job, and that's my responsibility mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. And BB uh, King showed me that. I mean, he, the, it, 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 someone like him, was shaking everyone's hands and being nice and right. you know, uh, okay. God does this. <laughs> God, does I'm gonna this. do that too. <laughs> right. You know. So that's teaching me humble. You have to be humble. You have to know. You have to respect all your fans. Thank them for their support. You know, because um, you know. Wouldn't be good news. Them. Good news travels fast, mm-hmm. but bad news travels faster. Mm. That's smart. <laughs> <laughs> Pay attention, Pop. Uh, that's true. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah. You know, you're only as good as your last concert or your last group of people that you meet, and you know, people want to get close to me. You know, people. You know, the more they know about me, they want to get close to me, and I'm I'm willing to give a, a bit of myself up to them. Right. You know. So, did uh, are, did your folks uh, give you so like support and encouragement for what you're doing, or like did they get catch on to it, uh, or, or never? My folks were very disappointed that I didn't become a doctor. Oh, a really? Yeah, they were really shattered. And they, ne- really, they never let it go. They never let it go. Really? Yeah, they were very dis- always disappointed in me. That's too. Bad. As good as I was, I mean, getting record contracts and playing and going. Well, just yeah, having they, enthusiasm for life—that's yeah. victory. Wouldn't that's you, the thing. If you have enthusiasm for life, you are winning. Your kid, like, yeah, your kid is doing something he loves, and yeah. he's getting by on it. I mean, I mean wh- what is there not to support? Right. My mother, till the day she died, should have been a doctor. Yeah, and really, it really ate me up. Why do you think that you went towards the music that you went towards and not just straight up like blues, like if B.B. King's your hero and stuff? Why don't, why don't you think you went more in that direction? Well, well, because the dictators, because of the rock and roll era yeah. I was in. Mm-hmm. You know, we all grew up in. And I was more moved by Elvis, and, you know, you know yeah. blue, you know, but it was more of the music of the day, you know, seeing Jimi yeah. Hendrix and Woodstock and all that stuff. and. No, listen. Yeah, but metal is different. Metal right? was different. Like, Black that's, Sabbath that's ushered different. it in. Yeah. Black Sabbath and then Blue Oyster Cult. They they ushered in the new sound. Right. The more darker sound. Uh, and have you ever just like thought maybe I'll like do some something that's more straight up blues yes. or something like yeah yeah There's a blues album in me gonna come out soon. I think so too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I just need the right platform for it. Oh, oh my God. Um. I I just think that I just think that I just need the right platform, the singer, how am I going to do it? The singer, what kind of band is it going to be? Mm. You, you know, it's you know, cuz it's so it's so sacred to me. Right. That it, it's it's going to have to be amazingly great. Yeah. So, I'm not I'm it's it's 
I'll, I'm going to plan it out, but it's it's, it's got to be the right singer. Who do I get? I mean, you know, do I get a, a female singer? Do I get a, a male singer? Do I get a, what do I do? I mean, I wish I sang Why don't better. you sing? I'm not the greatest singer in the it's world. Sustained talking, Ross. Oh, I know it is. I, I know what <laughs> it is. You can do it. I know. I know. I can. I, and I've sang. I've sang. Big I'll, deep, bro. I know. I've, like, I've sung. Uh, I've sung on a lot of records. Wow. <laughs> you I've got sung, it. I've sung on a lot of records, but uh, <laughs> I don't think I have the rest of the the, of the confidence to do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you try it out because with blues, it's like it kind of gives you a whole new avenue. I know. To explore. I know. I know. And a new character. Right away from like you know you can like give yourself you a know different... Joe Joe Bonamassa yeah 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 you like him yeah he's fantastic yeah, I think he's great right yeah. so he's he's got a great voice I mean you yeah know. he's a crazy great guitar Will he player say yes huh well no he's he's doing oh. his own thing he's no, doing I mean, he's a huge blues I know artist. yeah he's great team up right there oh, I love you've teamed up I, with everyone <laughs> but listen I I really respect him a lot he's great but uh, I I just don't know how to do it I just I'm gonna do it. But I just don't know when the the the, the platform. I'm gonna right. do it. Well, thanks for doing the yeah. podcast, man. Thank you, Ross. Yeah, you're it's welcome. Been, been fantastic talking <laughs> to you, getting to know you a little bit. Thanks. Good luck on the tour and the new album. Ross, the Pre- boss. Appreciate it. I'll be hearing more from you. I hope. Yeah. Hope so. I where, mean, where do people find you? Well, they can find us on Facebook, Crackbook. Mm. You know. <laughs> Oh, uh, Ross the Boss, my my personal page, the Ross the Boss Band, on Facebook, on Insta, you know, on you know the usual places. All the usual. My places. my website at is, Ross the Boss. My website Ross dash the dash boss dot com. Word. And your batting cage. Can and we, my batting can we cage. Plug that too. What's yes, that called? It's called the Cage Baseball. It's in Middle Village, sixty two dash forty Metropolitan Avenue, Middle Village, Queens one one three seven nine. When he's Batter not on tour, up. find him there. You want to work off come some. You want to work off some stress. Come to the batting cage. Batter I'll set you up. up. <laughs> Swing and a miss. Batter, batter, batter. Right. <laughs> hey, better, better, better. Thank you, All right, Ross. Thanks, Ross. See okay, you, guys. Thank you. That was fun, guys. Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated.